the fuckery is veganism? Well, we're about to find out. I'm Nadege August, your host. If this is your first time with us, welcome. And here's what you can expect. What the Fuckery is a podcast about the things we hear about but don't know enough about. A series of conversations dedicated to hearing firsthand from the very people whose lifestyle, truths, or concepts we struggle with understanding. The very things we should know about but are afraid to discuss. Our subjects and topics may or may not be mainstreamed, but our guests, and sometimes experts, are in it, living their truth whether we accept them or not. And if, in that process, we manage to bring clarity to you, dear listener, then thank you for being curious, open, and willing. In that vein today, we have as our guest Tara Punzoni, who is a longtime vegan and owner and chef of Pura Vita in West Hollywood, California, not New York, California. Pura Vita is the first pure vegan Italian restaurant in the entire states united of the united states of america so i love having tara here we've had the pleasure of eating at pura vita a few times and i met her she's a wonderful host the food is to die for my favorite dish there look at me i'm, I'm already taking the helm here my favorite dish there is the uh, carbonara and it's vegan and you can't even tell the reason why I was excited about bringing her on for this topic is because a lot of people confuse vegetarianism with veganism. And honestly, I have to say, I too am guilty of not knowing the difference. So, Tara, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Enlighten us. Okay. Um, veganism is uh, when you completely omit any animal product from your diet or clothing, um, any animal product whatsoever. So whereas vegetarianism, you can have eggs, cheese, milk, those types of things. When you're vegan, you don't have any dairy products, no eggs, um, no gelatin, nothing at all that comes from an animal. So it's purely plant-based, um, fruits, vegetables, beans, legumes, and that type of thing. So no butter. No butter. Wow. Um, so how did it all start for you? Because if you've been a long time vegan, you started at some point. How, when did it all start? So, I mean, for me, it started really young. Um, so young that it seems strange to think about it because back then I didn't actually know the word vegan. But um, I grew up in a kind of traditional Italian heritage family in, in New York. And um, <clears throat> they were cooking a lot of meats and you know, the traditional dishes that we ate, that they ate in Southern Italy and that I grew up on. Um, there was a lot of food preparation I would see happening in the kitchen because everybody in my family was, was a cook. And it occurred to me that what they were preparing were, was the byproduct of what was once an animal. Particularly, it started with pig. So... I was a little kid and I loved animals and I didn't understand like what we were, were doing here. Them. So I asked a million questions and I was kind of that annoying kid, you know, but no answer was ever good enough for me. Like, I don't understand that we need to do this. We, we, or you choose to do this. What's the, what's the purpose of all of this? And what I came to realize is that we absolutely do not need to do it. Um, they were doing it out of tradition and, 
And, you know, there's a divide between what goes on your plate and how it got there. Mm -hmm. And the pain and suffering that happened before you have a meatball on your plate that you can completely remove the whole process of how it became that meatball. So a lot of people don't think about that, but as a little kid, I was just totally upset and not willing to accept that. How old were you when that when you started to have this? I was process? like ten. Wow! And you're and, in Brooklyn, right? Yeah. My, well, at that point, I was already in Long Island, mm-hmm. and my family was, um, you know, they thought I was strange, and they didn't really understand why I was so concerned about the pigs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not like I've, I probably had never even seen an actual pig in my life at that point, like wow. in, in real life. Like but you maybe just knew the um, sausages and the meatballs were I just knew that of. I liked piggies and that in order to make what they were making, they had to kill one. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't understand. There was no explanation that was good enough for me to make that acceptable. And then I had a science teacher who showed the class a video of a slaughterhouse. I'm not sure why. I mean, I'm sure she was probably vegetarian herself and... It's probably totally not legal to show a group of 10-year-olds a video of a slaughterhouse because it's pretty brutal. But that was it. Lunch in the garbage. I went home that day. I talked to my parents, and I said, I don't want to have anything to do with it, any of it. Pigs, cows, chickens, whatever it is, I don't want to have anything to do with it. And they were like, okay, you know, that's very strange, but if that's really the choice that you want to make, then that's fine, but you need to you need to learn how to cook with us so that we can figure out what that means and what you do want to eat. So that's how I started learning how to cook. <laughs> and um, and then I just started reading almost obsessively about, you know, vegetarianism and all of the things, uh, any of the information that was out there. I was just educating myself. So it took probably two years to become fully vegan because I had no idea, you know, for example, I had no idea what gelatin even was when I was a kid. What is gelatin, by the way? So gelatin is... Not jello, right? It, well, jello is made from gelatin. Oh. So gelatin comes from the hooves of cows, horses, pigs, whatever. It's... Uh, what do we need gelatin for? We don't for? need it. <laughs> we do not need it. Why is it added into stuff? Um, it, it creates a certain type of texture, like, for example, jello. So that sort of bouncy, um, jelly-like texture is very simple to make when you're using gelatin. However, there are other natural things that you can use that make the same texture. They're just not as cheap and mainstream. So something like agar, which is a seaweed, makes the same type of gelatinous texture, but it's a seaweed, so it's more expensive and probably a little bit more difficult to learn how to use and, you know. Um, So, yeah, so it took a few years for me to figure all of that out and be 100% vegan. So what were you making in the meantime, or were you telling your parents what to make for you? Yeah, so it turned out that a lot of the things that my grandma would make me all the time were vegetarian, but they just didn't know that word or that concept. It was just never, you know, a thing that anybody thought about. But, for example, and we have on the menu at Pura Vita, is like the pasta fagioli, or pasta fazul, as we call it in New York. Um, <laughs> jambota, which is like a typical Calabria. So my grandmother comes from Calabria. It was, it's vegetable stew. That's all it is. There's nothing else in it. It's just vegetables. 
And my grandmother made, I mean, they, my family made these things all the time because it's peasant food. So when you're from, you know, Southern Italian families tended to not have a lot of money, which is why the majority of the immigrants came from the South. Um, and they didn't have the money to afford to buy a pig to make dinner. So um, a lot of the dishes were vegetarian by default. And then on the opposite end, a lot of the dishes were disgustingly not veg like vegetarian at all because if they could get a pig, they used every single part of that animal because they didn't want to waste anything, which is amazing and also does not happen today for the most part. But so something like um, my grandmother used to make sanguinach and I never knew what it was as a kid, but I just knew that my father was always like, no, don't touch it, don't touch it, you don't want that. And I came to learn it was blood pudding, yeah. you know, and, and I mean, just disgusting. Well, your father didn't like the blood pudding? He, he just said. knew that I, he knew what I wanted and didn't want, didn't necessarily want to, I mean, it just sounds so horrific that I think sometimes he would just thought it was better that I didn't know yeah. So that I wouldn't get into the whole conversation of like, why are you doing this? And, you know, that's horrible and disgusting and also probably really bad for you. Because as I got older, I started getting more into the, that can't be good for you either. Forget about, you know, in addition to it being pain and suffering, also, why are we eating that? Like, why are you eating that? That's strange. Right. Did you try to convert your family? Were you always sort of butting heads or trying to get them to be on your side of the fence? Um, no. I mean, what happened naturally was that my my mother is a very extremely loving and caring person. So she and typical Italian I was going to say, yeah. So everything was about food and I had to eat all the time and my friends had to eat all the time and there was always food. It was just all, everything was about food. So what she started to do was she would make everything vegan and then she would make one meat thing. So like uh, she would make a, something with chicken, but then all the other dishes were vegan. But she wouldn't tell anybody. She wouldn't label it that. She would just put the food on the table and it was amazing because she's an amazing cook. And um, so naturally what started to happen was they started to eat less of the things that they were eating before just so she wouldn't have to make two of everything that she was making. That's clever. But she's, I mean, they still eat meat, so yeah. it's, I can't seem to get them. I mean, it's been 30 plus years <laughs> and I can't seem to get them to get away from eating the meat, but. Oh, that's okay, right? <laughs> so you went hardcore, uh, right down to clothing too? Or are you completely anti-leather and you go out of your way not to have anything that's. Yeah, so, so that happened around like the age of 12 or 13 where I realized that, you know, I was also like a little metalhead, kind of like little punk rock girl. And uh, I had like combat boots and a motorcycle jacket and all these things and I was like, oh no, I don't want to wear any of these things because now I understand how it came to be and I don't want to, I don't want to promote that and I don't want to, you know, I want to be the purest that I am in my mind. I have to, it has to be 100%. So I filled up boxes of stuff and gave stuff away to charity and started all over again. <laughs> So would you look for pleather jackets, pleather shoes? Yeah, pleather and boots? back then it wasn't as easy as it is now. Now it's super easy, but yeah. back then it was not as easy as it is now. Um, That's progress, isn't it? Yeah, 
definitely. We've come a long, long way. Yeah, I would, I would imagine, because it's almost harder to find pure leather these days. And if you do, it's so expensive mm -hmm. that people just naturally gravitate towards what's less expensive, therefore less cruel, for lack of a better term. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes they're not choosing that for any other reason that other than... The money. Yeah, but that's fine. I mean, it's amazing how far it's come, and, and, I, and I only hope it goes further. I think it will. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was not an easy thing when I was a kid because it wasn't a thing. Yeah, no, I'm sure. W were you a kid around, what, the 90s, the 80s? Very early 90s. Yeah, that's... Late 80s. Yeah. I don't want to totally I date myself here, but... No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess I just did. <laughs> yeah, no. You know, it's kind of amazing how people, even today, although we people hear the words vegan, vegetarianism, they just keep confusing them, and they think it's it's completely weird. So... Is veganism, would you say, is it a lifestyle? I would definitely say it's a lifestyle. And, and I think that there's now a mixed, a mixed, a mix up between being plant-based and being vegan. Differences so are. The differences are that being vegan is like a lifestyle, almost a political choice. I mean, it goes deep. It's arguable. It's annoying sometimes. I know I'm annoying sometimes, but to me, it's like it's. It, I have to fight for what I believe in. I always have been, and um, having a plant-based diet is more of a diet choice where you're only eating a plant-based diet, but you're still wearing leather boots. And it's not about the animals; it's more about health mm. and and eating a clean diet. Um, I think it's been proven at this point that eating a plant-based diet is certainly better for your health across the board. I'm, Pretty sure I'm seeing more and more doctors, you know, on board with this and encouraging it, which is amazing because when I was a kid, again, people thought I was going to get sick and, you know, that I would never, I couldn't, you know. They, they would have to force feed you some yeah, liver. Yeah, some, oh, <laughs> of all things. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I mean, as a matter of fact, I was born anemic. I was anemic the first 10 years of my life. Wow. Um, and then when I became vegetarian, I used to get my blood tested all the time because, you know, and, uh, I've never been anemic ever again since then. That's odd and interesting because that's probably the one question people always ask. It's like, well, where are you getting your protein? Where are mm -hmm. you getting your iron? Where are you getting those? Um, I mean, protein comes from plants. So the same place that the protein you think that you're eating from an animal that animal has to get their protein from somewhere too, and they're eating plants. So there's plenty of protein in plants. There's tons of protein in beans and legumes and nuts and seeds, um, and it's more digestible protein. It's easier for your body to break it down and use it. When you're eating meat protein, your body is working so hard to, to break it down that at some point it starts to lose its potency, and you're not actually... Um, absorbing the absorbing nutrients the nutrients from from it um, so yeah I mean and that's one of those questions that every vegan hates more than any other question in the I whole know. world because you know you look at like a gorilla a big giant male gorilla and they're eating plants they're not eating steak you don't need to have that to be a big you know especially I feel like men get it the worst because you know, I know big, gorgeous, 
muscle-ridden men who in in a million years you would never think are 100% vegan, but they are, and they're killing it. (laughs) Yes, yes. And... uh, and I and that makes me so happy. I, I hope more and more people can be inspired by by those people because it's a visual thing. You can see somebody is strong, um, whereas you look at me, it's like I just look like a regular person. <laughs> but you know, I mean, if yeah. You can for all see... intents and purposes, people assume that vegan people always look uh, drawn and gray and right. unique, and they're not healthy. Right. And you look completely healthy and beautiful and rosy cheeked and all that fun <laughs> stuff. No lack of iron there, I don't think. And I'm not a doctor. <laughs> um, how did you come up with this idea of a pure vegan restaurant? Italian food, no less. I'm so happy that you're asking me that yes, question. Because, folks, if you are in L.A., if you come visit, you've got to try it. It's just... My mind is blown. Blown. (laughs) So when I was 12, and I was all in vegan by that point, my father, my father's a, for lack of a better way to put it, a ball buster. And um, he loves to just poke and prod in every possible way. And, And in an exchange, I told my father, you'll see... I'm going to open a vegan Italian restaurant with all this food that we're making here in this house and everybody's going to love it. One day that's going to happen. When I was 12, so on opening day, my father gave a speech that could make anyone cry because he can't believe that Your this words many true. years later I really I really stuck to it and made it happen. Now, did you remember um, that, or he reminded you of it in his speech? I always said I, I wanted to do it, uh, but it was like a fantasy. It didn't seem like something that, you know, who knows in this life. Right. I mean, anything can happen. You could make anything happen if you want it badly enough, obviously, because here we are. But, you know, for most of my life, I just thought it was a fantasy. I didn't think that I would ever really be able to open... One of these days. Yeah, yeah, this restaurant. And I certainly never in a million years thought I'd be living in L.A. to do it. I mean, I was I was a New Yorker. Right. I mean, I still am a New Yorker, so we'll have to open one there, too. But <laughs> That'll show them. If you can open it, like, in your parents' neighborhood. Yeah. That'll be extra showing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so how did you become a chef? Um, okay, so, I mean... I know you went to art school. Yes, I have a master's degree in fine art. I did not go to culinary school. Bingo. Culinary school back then when I was going to school uh, was all about meat. You had to taste it. You had to handle it. You would not graduate if you did not. Oh, what a nightmare. Not something I had any interest in. And, um, you know, I really felt like I was a pretty good cook. You know, I would never have called myself a chef. I was a pretty good cook. I understood a lot about food ingredients, how to make things, um, particularly the stuff I grew up eating. Um, but I did go to art school and I did attempt a career at photography. All the while I was um, doing like private lessons in people's homes. So not, not not like private chefing, but like people would pay me basically to like come to their house and teach them how to make healthier, more plant-based foods. Um, a lot of times it was health inspired if somebody had an, uh, an issue or something that they were looking to, 
you know, clean up their act for, for whatever reason. So I was always in there, hands-on, doing that. But, um, <laughs> it's kind of funny, but um, then, I, then I went to, to live in Italy, and um, I wanted to get a job in a kitchen. And I tried to do so with the experience that I had with my limited knowledge of the Italian language. Just from private teaching <clears throat> as well. Yeah, I mean, I was looking for just the bottom of the, you know. Where in Italy were you? I lived in Rome. Mm -hmm. So basically they, you know, sort of laughed at me because um, I was a woman and women don't work in the kitchen. I know. Isn't that so ironic? That. Women don't cook, but you're expected to. <laughs> like moms cook, but yeah. you don't work professionally in a kitchen if right. you're a woman. Yes. It's come a long way. They're not like that anymore. I can honestly say that to be true, but but then they still thought it was ridiculous and 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 there were very limited options of vegetarian or vegan restaurants in Italy at that time. So um so that was a, an interesting lesson and then I, you know, I I came back and I just uh, started working at a restaurant uh, as a as a prep person, um, which was interesting because I have a master's degree and here I am working at this restaurant and you know Chopping the, the other prep people were like, why why are you doing this? Like why are you making minimum wage as a prep person when you have like this degree and you're a smart you know whatever? And to me it was like you have to start at the bottom. I mean you can't you don't just walk into a place and become the chef like you have to start you have to learn every single position in a kitchen before you can run one so so that's what I did basically and and um it didn't take very long to to work my way up but uh but yeah I mean I did every every position that you could do before I was the person telling you what to do now was this all in the same establishment or you just sort of traveled about uh for the most part it was all in the same the same restaurant. How long I was did it there take for five years. From prep to being the chef. Um, from prep to chef. <laughs> Tara Bunzon. I was there for five years. I mean, it probably. I mean, I think I was the sous chef by the end of the first year, and then I was the sous chef for a long time, because there was a lot. That was where I learned everything, and I had this amazing chef. His name is Neil Harden. He's the chef at ABCV, which is a John George restaurant in Manhattan. Um, an amazing person, amazing friend, amazing chef. Taught me everything about how to manage a kitchen, which was the part that I needed to learn. Because you can cook all day long, but if you don't know how to manage people, then you're gonna you're gonna fail. Mm -hmm. And it's difficult to manage people. Oh, no kidding. Especially a bunch of hotheads in a kitchen <laughs> with knives <laughs> and. and as a woman. That's true. There's that too. Yes. So yeah. there was always that element of, we forget. but she's a girl. But yeah. she's a girl. Mm. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, it was all an experience. You know, you have to do everything for a reason, but you have to start from the bottom. And the interesting thing is that when somebody goes to culinary school and they come out, they're under this ridiculous notion that they're just, that now they're a chef. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, you're not. You're not a chef any more than I was an artist. <laughs> You're just a person who graduated school. from school. You have a paper that says... <laughs> you have zero experience yeah. in this field. Zero. So... So then you leave and move to California mm -hmm. and L.A. And do you get this idea of 
Hey, I see this empty space, and I'm going to make a restaurant out of that? Uh, well, I, I, I've been here for um, six years, six mm -hmm. and a half years. Um, I worked for a little over five years at the same place here. And um, this particular restaurant had uh, several locations. So it was an amazing experience for me because I ran all, all four locations, well, all three locations, and then there was one in the airport, which I, I helped open, uh, which was a harrowing experience I would never do again. But an experience that I'm glad that I have under my belt. And um, I learned about business more than anything else at this restaurant. And that was the key that was missing. Okay, I had the management, I had the chef skills, I had all those things, but now I need to understand how the business runs and how it works. And so um, I feel like I got that experience there. I was there for over five years and uh, <clears throat> the restaurant switched hands, uh, switched ownership, and uh, the new owners sort of changed the ways and I, it occurred to me you know what it's time it's time for me to do me uh, for me <laughs> and uh, I'm ready mm. so yeah and then I went to Italy with my family and I hadn't been there in a couple of years and I, we, we got to Rome and everything was vegano 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 everywhere everything yeah every menu big city every like, mm -hmm. i mean even the airport everything and i thought to myself holy shit if, if that's I not don't, a sign if i don't, don't do this right now here someone else is going to do it first and i'm going to be so pissed at myself yay for <laughs> listening to yourself but you know it's interesting i love hearing these you see these conversations have been so enriching for me too because i i hear a trajectory of your life and journey and it's almost as if every step you went through has been a preparation for this moment you know i agree like, with that and but you actually put in the work because you were willing to start at the bottom most people's egos won't let them do that, and, yeah. I, and that's admirable. And I wanted to mention the wine selection, because Pura Vita is also a wine bar, right? Yes. And it is so beautifully curated. Tell us what's so special about it. I could tell them, but I'd rather you explain yeah, where yes. your wine comes from. I'm very, from. very, very excited about my wine list. So uh, it took me six months to put this wine list together before we were opening... Uh, as we were preparing to open, all of my uh, wine reps were coming to my apartment, tasting me on all these amazing wines. So. I wish I knew you then. I would have helped. <laughs> I'm sure you had fun in the process. Oh, my God. I so bet fun. you did. So um, all of our wine is first and foremost 100% vegan because a lot of wine is not vegan. People don't understand, understand that. that either. What's the difference, organic versus vegan? Well... Totally separate things. Mm. So the vegan part is a lot of wineries um, use animal products in the refining process, filtration. So like egg whites or like fish bladder or sometimes gelatin, all kinds of weird things to filter the wine um, or additives to make the wine smoother or whatever crazy reason they have to use it. And nobody thinks that because you think when you're drinking wine, it's just fermented grapes, but it's not, especially like larger wineries that are selling, you know, more established wineries that are selling a Thousands. lot of, you know, a lot, a lot of wine. I mean, they're cutting costs by using these products and, and adding these products. 
So um, a winery that is, that you, does not use these products, when they're <clears throat> filtering the wine, they might use something like bentonite clay, um, which comes from the earth um, and is an excellent filter of lots of things. You could put it on your face, too. It's a really nice mask. <laughs> um, so that would, that's what makes a wine vegan. And then organic, I mean, organic is just organic. It's just the, the same, grapes. The same as it is with the food that you eat. They're not spraying herbicides, pesticides. The soil has to be, you know, completely clean. There's a number of years that has to go by before you can be certified organic. So um, it's different sort of in each country. But, um, you know, there can't be any chemical fertilizers or anything like that in order for it to be organic. And then the next level is biodynamic, which is first organic. And then also biodynamic uh, uses, it's like the next level. It's like they, they believe that the soil is a living, breathing thing. And the environment, everything within that environment plays a role in that. So for example, if they're animals or insects or whatever is supposed to be in that environment, they keep those animals there in the winery. And they also do things according to the cycles of the moon. So they believe that the energy of the moon goes into the earth, which goes into the vines, which goes into your wine and into your body. So it's it's very like, mm. sometimes it can almost seem like uh, witchcrafty, but it's really just the way that farmers used to do things yeah, back the in the day. Yeah, the farmer's almanac. Yeah, exactly. that's what that's about. And we've gone, you know a long way from that so there's a lot of wineries that are coming back to that and and utilizing those ideals in their in their farming so your selection at pura vita is uh curated carefully curated by you mm -hmm. and you've chosen just purely vegan wine and it comes from where mostly most of it's italian i would say probably 95 percent of it is italian uh there's a few california wines and uh are they a, vegan a couple standard? of french wines they're all 100% vegan. That's the first most important thing. And then um, they're also all organic. And I would say about half the list is biodynamic and natural. You know, I remember there was a time I used to get migraines from drinking red wine and someone would say, oh, it's the sulfites. Then I started to pay attention. Certain wines are sulfite-free. How is that... In, so, yeah, explain that to me because I never understood that. So sulfites, is that a vegan thing? No, no. So sulfites are preservatives, ah. basically. So um, all wine creates its own sulfite naturally um, during the fermentation process. But what a lot of what most wineries do is that they add sulfites in order to preserve that wine so that you know it does so that it doesn't go bad. Um, which is why sometimes when you're buying a biodynamic natural wine, you know, you get a case of 12 bottles, nine times out of 10, two of them are no good. Oh, really? <laughs> because they don't have any preservatives in them. Mm, okay. So um, I shouldn't say that because that makes it sound like, but, you know, I mean, that's the honest truth. It's like you have to really pay a lot of attention. You know, when you open a bottle, you have to smell the cork, make sure everything, make sure it's perfect. Mm -hmm. But when it's perfect, it's like the most cl amazing, cleanest wine, and you will not get any get a headache. sort of side effects. No. From well, it. you'll get drunk. You'll drink <laughs> enough of it. But. You'll have fun. I call it having fun. <laughs> 
Where is, uh, do you have the exact address of Pura Vita off the top of your head? Would you want to share it with us? Sure, it's 8274 Santa Monica Boulevard in between Sweetser and Harper, uh, right in the middle of West Hollywood. Um, a lot of people say it's a, a hidden gem because we don't have uh, any flashing neon, neon signs, signs outside. outside. No yeah. loud music. It's quaint. It's intimate. It's lovely. You've created a lovely place. Like Thank I feel you. like I walk into someone's private kitchen slash bar slash. I definitely wanted it to feel like you were coming to my home. Mm -hmm. That was the whole idea. Um, when I designed it, I wanted to, I, the first most important thing was that I wanted it to look like Brooklyn, because <laughs> I miss home. Yeah, it does feel like Brooklyn, too. You know, the dark and the brick and the, you know, sort of the stereotypical, like, Italian restaurant in Brooklyn, you know, small and long, and everybody sits close together, and everybody talks to each other, and it's like, uh, it's really like a family, you know, comfortable environment. And the amazing thing is that I wasn't sure I was going to be able to do that in L.A. Because, you know, L.A. could be sort of standoffish. But people come in there, they sit at the bar, they start sharing food, they're exchanging numbers. I don't know what goes on. It's like, it's so much fun. It is. It really is like you're just in my house. Yeah. And, it, you know, the environment helps, too. The fact that it's intimate, you feel safe. Mm -hmm. And it's dark. It helps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I have an amazing staff. I, I was mean, about to ask about them, yeah. I'm so grateful for everything that I have. I mean, my sous chef, Seraphine, he's been with me for a long time. He and I planned, so we're planning this for a long time. I could never do this without him. And Nadia, who's the general manager, she's the woman you'll see in the front every day, day and night, every single minute that we're open, she's there. What are your hours of operation? Are you just dinner? No, no, no. So we're open for lunch uh, and brunch. And dinner. So during the week, we're closed on Mondays. During the week, Tuesday through Friday, we open at 1130 and um, stay open until 10. Friday and Saturday nights, we're open until 11. And then brunch is from 11 to 3. So it's like a little earlier in the, in the morning. Uh, brunch gets crazy. Super fun. Is it different menus? Yeah. What's what's brunch like? Because people cool. always think of eggs for brunch. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, we have some Italian. Well, first of all, like... Uh, in Italy, they don't really eat breakfast. There's no such thing as brunch there. But there are things that are breakfast-y. And so I kind of just tried to take those things and the Italian flavors. So, for example, we have, like, a Nutella pancakes. And obviously Nutella is in quotes because it's not real Nutella. It's vegan, organic, homemade Nutella. Um, but, yeah, the, the Nutella pancakes are reason enough to come. They're my favorite things. Mm -hmm. And then we have something called the Queen Cornetto. So a Cornetto is like a croissant in, in Italian. And it's like, a, it's like a bacon, egg, and cheese with avocado on a croissant. That's basically what it is. <laughs> but you don't have eggs. Right. So the egg is, made, the egg is tofu and, and the bacon is shiitake. Mm. And um, that might all sound very hippy-dippy, but it's not, I assure you. Um, <clears throat> we do a frittata, which is a typical Italian thing. Uh, usually my grandmother would make a frittata. It would be like whatever we ate the night before thrown into a pan with an egg. So that yeah, it all sticks like everything together. Everything but the kitchen sink <laughs> yeah. in that dish. So that's yeah. not exactly what ours is. It's right. it's curated. <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah, those types of things. So yeah. and mimosas and bloody marys and all the fun stuff. Yeah. So my friend who brought me there, Lou, is is like hardcore Italian from New York, the whole bit. 
he he and I actually had a big discussion over the popetes, which are meatballs. Yes. But he is he has sworn up and down that it has meat in it. <laughs> and I said, no, but he can't tell the difference. Of course it does not have meat in it. <laughs> of course it does not have meat in it. It's lentil-based, right? It's lentils and mushrooms. Uh, and the rest of the ingredients are the exact ingredients that my mom used in her meatballs. I mean, that's just how I made them. I was like, give me, write down all the ingredients. And then I scratched out the thing that said chopped meat and put lentils in. <laughs> Scratch out, chop. I love that, chopped meat. I haven't heard that in so long. Oh, chopped meat. Hearing you guys for ground meat, but you're like, no, yeah. chopped meat. Well, that's, that's true. true. My that's mother called it, it was chopped meat. Yeah, yeah, chopped meat. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the memories of Brooklyn. So your family has, your father was there opening night. Yeah, and, my mother and father. And how often do they come visit? They and, come like pretty much every Sunday. So my family... Has, it, have they moved here? They live in Long Beach now. <laughs> of course they couldn't let their baby girl go. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm like really tight with my, my parents. I I was miserable here without them and uh, I had to move them out here. So Especially no, now because I can't go anywhere now. I mean, I'm, you know... You're busy. I'm You're there girl. every day. So they come so. every Sunday for brunch. Yeah, no, they come every Sunday for pasta. So since I'm a kid, pasta Sunday is, I mean, it didn't matter where you were, what you were doing, who you were with, you went home on Sunday for pasta. Like, that was it. What was your time? 2 p.m.? It used to be 2 p.m., uh-huh. then it became 3, and then 4, and then 5. As, now I, it's as I got older, yeah, it got later and later. <laughs> you were recovering from certain life. And it got bigger and bigger. It was like, bring, you bring your friend, you bring your friend. There was a lot of adoptions going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the table became bigger every every week. <laughs> oh, that's so great. Well, I think, is there anything else I've not covered for my vegan curious people? I hope this encompassed just about everything. You were the perfect guest because you. you didn't just tell us about it. You happen to have an establishment, Pura Vita, where we can actually, people can actually go, sample, try, enjoy, and maybe adopt the lifestyle, even if it's just, what is it, Meatless Mondays? Mm-hmm. That was a thing for a while. Is that still a thing? Mm-hmm. It should be. Bring Meatless <laughs> Mondays back. Yeah, Meatless Tuesdays, though, because we're closed on Mondays. Oh, okay. Oh, right. <laughs> meatless Tuesdays or Fridays. Oh, and I do urge you to get a reservation. The yes, place at night, it's, you definitely... It's a happening spot. You definitely need a reservation at yeah. night. It fills up pretty quick. We, we never reserve the bar, first come, first serve, but... It happens pretty quickly, usually. Oh, yeah. If you do sit at the bar, can you make sure that you sit together? Like, don't skip seats. <laughs> That's my own pet peeve. <laughs> when I go there, I'm like, okay, I've got to make sure. I'm only, if I'm two, we are two. We're leaving the others. We have to, let's not skip. Yes, yeah. we have to move chairs around sometimes, but yeah. we, we make it work. We always make it work. <laughs> One thing I want to say is that I would say a majority of the people who do come in there and eat um, on, on the regular are not vegan. They're coming there for Italian food. Yeah. And it's not the kind of, it's not a typical vegan restaurant where you walk in and it, it smells like It tastes exactly like grass. Italian food, like I said. <laughs> like my friend Lou, who is Italian, from Brooklyn, the whole bit, he argued with me over the bofettes. Like, he <laughs> swore. So, yeah, no, you wouldn't know it. Yeah. Like the carbonara sauce, I still dream about it. It, it tastes... I can't tell. I can't tell. It tastes just as good, if not better. Yeah. It's definitely food with a great, great spin. Um, so, yay! Thank you. Thank you all. Hope you've enjoyed this, and I'll see you next time. Subscribe, rate, review. Subscribe, rate, review. Bye!